Hello and welcome to the Green Canary. Today on the show, we're going island hopping from Vanuatu to the Torres Strait, where locals are speaking up loudly about the need for climate justice. We're also going to tell you about a new ethical investment app that lets you put your hard-earned money into green, responsible companies. Now, we also have audio this week of one of the most powerful men in the world, uh, very awkwardly ducking questions on whether he accepts climate change science. There's that and there's plenty more. I'm Ant Sharwood and I'm joined as ever by someone who never, ever dodges the hard questions. How are you there, Elfie Scott? Well, that is blatantly untrue, Ant. We both know <laughs> that I'm very happy to dodge any hard questions, but I'm doing well. Um, you went skiing last week again, didn't you? Uh, well, you're almost accusing me of that. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, look, you I go bought... so often. I've never met somebody who goes to the snow more often than you. And I bought a season pass, so I damn well was going to make sure it paid for itself. <laughs> Actually, I went, I went four times. I went in June, July, August, and September. Uh, so once each month. And you know, there's been a really good season, but, but such a climatey thing going on down there, Elfie. Um, there's Where is this exactly, by the way? I beg your pardon? Where is it exactly? Where are you skiing? We're talk well, I I've been skiing at Perisher uh, and Mount Hotham and Falls Creek. So I've been skiing in Victoria and New South Wales. They're all on the one pass. They've been bought by a uh, American monolithic company. But um, the point is there's been really good snow up high, Elfie, and almost none down low. Um, mm. You can see the snow line creeping up the hill. So for those who said it would never snow again, that's that's not true. But it's snowing uh less at the lower altitudes and when it does snow there it's melting quicker i have seen this anecdotally across my lifetime but the stats are also reflecting that and you know what i'm going to shove a graph in this week's green canary newsletter to show people that but that's the newsletter this is the pod why don't we get on with the pod yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about a fossil fuel non-proliferation -prolifer treaty. God, I haven't tried to say that word out loud yet. <laughs> um, so last week at the UN General Assembly in New York City, Vanuatu's president called for the world's first fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty to try and phase down coal, oil and gas production, basically trying to keep the world below that 1.5 degrees of warming. And it's kind of like the non-proliferation treaty model that was used for, say, like uh, cutting back on nuclear weapons back in 1970. The president of Vanuatu said that fundamental human rights are being violated and we are measuring climate change not in degrees of Celsius or tons of carbon, but in human lives. Yeah, that's that's a great point because... Uh... You know, Vanuatu uh, would know a lot about the loss of human lives. Um, they've been slammed, Elfie, by a couple of really big cyclones in, you know, the last decade or so. The most recent, I believe, was Cyclone Harold in, I think, 2020. Mm. Um, I had a quick look. Something like 180,000 people were were. Uh, affected in terms of being flooded or displaced. Uh, there were many deaths. So, look, Vanuatu is not one of those sort of coral atolls like like Kiribati or one of those tiny, tiny little countries that literally 
could be inundated by rising sea levels. Vanuatu is a country that is right in the cyclone belt. It gets slammed all the time. There is also a, a low-lying coastal floodplain that, yes, would be subject to inundation, but it absolutely is one of those places where we know the storms are getting stronger. We know they're getting more frequent because of climate change. Vanuatu is in line to, to see worse and more frequent cyclones. So uh, good old President Vuro Baravu is not happy. He's got up. He has called for the International Court of Justice to issue an opinion on climate justice and human rights. He did that at the uh, UN General Assembly in New York City this week, as you mentioned. And it was very powerful stuff, wasn't it? And, and I think the treaty uh, that he's calling for, fossil fuel non-proliferation, Oh, profiteroles. What are they? Profiteroles. The fossil... <laughs> I was thinking that before too. <laughs> the Fossil Fuel Non-Proliferation Treaty is, I think, something we're going to be hearing a lot more about in coming years. Yeah, and he's hoping we hear about it more at the upcoming next COP. All right, and now to another story about climate justice. So the UN Human Rights Committee has found Australia violated Torres Strait Islanders' rights by failing to protect them from climate change. And do you want to take this story? What's going on? Well, this is another, as I uh, flagged in the intro, this is another uh, island story, and it dates back to 2019, Elfie, uh, a group of eight Torres Strait Islanders. They were known as the Torres Strait Eight, mate. Great. Anyway, uh, the Torres Strait Eight uh, took their case to the UN. They said that rising sea levels uh, and, and you know, climate-related issues like that had already damaged food, so food sources, had already damaged uh, or compromised important cultural sites like like burial sites uh homes were at risk of being submerged so the un uh, human rights committee uh, agreed that australia uh, particularly the previous government had violated uh at least two of their human rights which are set out in in a un treaty including the right to enjoy culture and the right to be free from arbitrary influence influences with their private life family and home look long story short um the un has said yep australia has neglected the torres strait islanders from a climate perspective uh i don't know what happens next elfie has has uh, the government made any noises at all well Yes and no. So I was looking this up before we started the podcast. They have acknowledged what has happened. Uh, Australia's Attorney General Mark Dreyfus said the new Labor government was committed to working with the Torres Strait Islanders and climate change and stressed that the complaint was lodged under the previous government. Uh, he said the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, the Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney and the Climate Change Minister Chris Bowen actually travelled to the Torres Strait shortly after they were elected to speak with elders and owners about the impact of climate change. But as for what they are actually going to do in response to this is still kind of up in the air, I think. So there has been talk that, you know, the Australian government is considering the committee's views and is now going to provide its response in due course. So I don't know yet whether that means like, compensation or what actions the Australian government is going to take but I very much hope that it is proportionate and in line with what Torres, that group of Torres Strait Islanders are asking for. Yeah I think that's well said and I think you know overall here what we're seeing with the president of Vanuatu with the Torres Strait 8 uh, we spoke recently on the pod and also wrote in a newsletter about uh, Frank Bainimarama 
uh, of Fiji, um, having a good crack. Actually, he was talking in, in, in the context of the Pakistan floods, which was a long way from Pakistan to Fiji, but he was saying this is the developed world's, uh, you know, uh, they caused it. It's it's the developing world's problem, but the developed world caused it. So it's great seeing these, these what you might call, without being patronising, small voices, because uh, they are small voices on the world stage when you talk about the UN General Assembly compared to sort of Joe Biden and others who might speak there. Um, it's great to hear these small voices getting air. We're giving them airtime here as well because we think these are small but vitally important uh canary in the coal mine uh type voices to invoke the name of our podcast yeah yeah absolutely and that actually reminds me and of one quote from Yessie mosby who was one of the complainants um in that torres strait eight group and he said that the ruling was not only for torres strait islanders but a reminder to all other climate affected communities that they can seek justice and protection, which I think is a fantastic note to end this segment on. It is, it is. So let us move on. Let's let's move on, Elfie, to the um feature interview of the week. And look, this is this is a, a change of pace. I like to vary it up. We do, as you know, uh some weeks we'll we'll get someone hard hitting on the issue of the week. If there's a gas crisis, we'll get a gas guru. Uh, and sometimes we 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 just take it to, to an interesting area. This week, it's about investment. Um, you and I have spoken a lot here about uh, Green Super. We've spoken a bit about ethical investments in the sort of green and sustainable areas. And I heard about a new app uh, that's launched this week. It's called Koala. And it lets you invest in sustainable companies and ethical companies. Um sounded really easy and i really want people to to not 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 to think oh this is sort of a paid slot or anything it isn't it's for you the listener it's for me it's for elfie scott it's for absolutely <laughs> anyone who thinks i've got 50 bucks 500 bucks fifty thousand bucks any amount of money small or large and i want to put it somewhere sustainable and green so let's uh hear from our uh, interview subject this week his name is peter bonetto and i reckon he might just have the answer elfie Okay, so here at the Green Canary, we have talked a lot about ethical investment over the year, and we are interviewing today a gentleman called Peter Bonetto. He is behind a new ethical investment app. Now, the blurb for the app says, finally, an ethical investing app giving Aussies access to investment knowledge and autonomy like never before. I love never before. The app is called Koala, K-W-A-L-A. And as I said, we have Peter Bonetto on the line. Peter, congratulations. And uh, in your own words, what is Koala and how does a dummy like me use it? Thanks so much, Ant. Koala's established and purpose is to enable anyone to invest in the best environmentally and socially positive companies that is possible and to do it with uh, to start with small amounts of money that they wish for us to be really great value with low fees and for them to be able to grow and learn more over time as they invest with those companies and we really propose to our our customers to invest over time to invest a modest amount that they can afford but to do it regularly so you say a modest amount it just so happens today that a modest amount is being deposited in my bank account 
because of the two books you see over your shoulder there. So I've got some book royalties coming. Always a great day in the life of an author, but it's not a huge amount, Peter. Can I uh, throw my book royalties into the Koala app and uh, let you invest away? Absolutely. And so if you invested, a minimum, our minimum amount's $10. So absolutely. And we think that's a nice little start. And we'd prepare, and you'd be, if you came in, it'd take you a couple of minutes to sign in. You, you know, we do the know your customer and you can invest and you'll buy units in the Koala Fund. And it'll be, it's very simple to do. And then you'll, you'll start to understand and the companies in which we've invested and how, how they're performing and how they're contributing environmentally. And what we'd really propose to you is, and I said it before, but is to invest then steadily over time. I don't know if we can wait for the next royalty in a year's time, but I hope, I'm sure they'll come more frequently. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, actually, I got a, a pretty decent one earlier this year. This is this is the next one, which is not so big, but that's what happens with books. They sell in one, one big lot and then not so much. Now, you claim uh in your communications today that uh you're looking at future focused companies you're looking at companies with globally recognized credentials in ethics sustainability prudent governance now you know we recently interviewed uh someone on the green canary podcast in the superannuation industry who told us that mm, a lot of green super that it's marketed as green super is actually not so green, the dreaded greenwashing. Can you assure us, Peter Bonetto, that uh, if we throw our dollars uh, into your fund, it will be invested in actual green or actually, uh, as, as you say, prudent companies? Well, this is certainly not a caveat, but we absolutely do our best. What we've, we have several services that we do, we use that rate and uh, the companies and look out for any malfeasance that companies in which we're invested may undertake. And, but what we do, the, the basis is that we're rating them against the United Nations Sustainable Develop, Development Goals, of which there's 17. And they're for alleviating poverty, cleaning up water, you know, cleaner, cleaner fuels and cleaner cities, say, and or housing and health. And so we feel that the companies are measured as how they're contributing against those and also the negative parts of it, if they're using a lot of fossil fuels and that sort of thing. And so that's how we rate it. Look, we are really wary and and careful, and we debate and debate about the companies in which we invest. So you um, actually sit around as a team and go, these guys look good, we've dug a bit deeper, you know what, maybe not. Absolutely. And and we, you know, we've got to be really, really looking at this. See, one of the big things, you know, you might have a, a great wind farm company that has no female employees, say, or dare I say, the huge tech companies, and they pay hardly any tax in Australia, and when they've had massive operations, and there's so there's nothing is pure, is what I'd say. But uh, we 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 do our best, and we try to think about all those issues, and then stay away from the real baddies, which are really fossil fuels and and other things, which are really really negative. That, that sounds good. So, look, I guess one of the things, Peter, that that um, as an investor, uh, as someone who's busy, I've got two kids, you know, I'm, I'm busy in my working life. I've always got a side project going on. Um, I'm not one of those people who prioritise investments. I don't come home and log into apps and things and 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 track 
how my uh, very minor portfolio, such as as it is, is is traveling each day. Is the Koala app set up so that anytime I feel that urge to know exactly how I'm going, I can log in and see how I'm going? Yes, you can. The, the, the numbers are there. And, and that's one of the things we've really identified with research, that people don't have the time to go and mess about and what, how do you invest and where you invest. We've got a really wide portfolio through direct investments and in exchange-traded funds, which are thematic, but of about 240 companies. And so we've got a, a widespread, but in concentrated areas, really, which we think are good. And so we said, look, we've done that work for you. We think those companies will go well and really be here and growing long-term. So if you put your money in now, you can one measure, see what it's going. But we've done years of work to try and work out which companies for which we, we should invest and had a, a very good investment advisors working with us as well. Well, it sounds like a good package, and I congratulate you on the launch of Koala today, Peter Bonetto. I wish you every success with it, and thank you very much for coming on the Green Canary podcast. And my pleasure, and I'm buying your books uh, as soon as I get home tonight. <laughs> good man. I'm, they're they're uh, you know available in all good bookstores and plenty of bad ones too. Patrice Newell, one of our, our co-founders, founders, has written about six books as well. So she's she and you should exchange royalty stories, probably. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a short tale for both of us, probably. But uh, thanks again for coming on, Peter. Okay, so that was Peter Bonetto from the ethical investment app Koala. That was a really interesting interview, Ant. And look... I don't know whether I am fully convinced yet that I am able to do this because I am still quite the idiot at dealing with money and investments of any uh, any type, regardless of how ethical they are. But it does sound very interesting. And I hope that people turn their minds towards these sort of investment opportunities rather than just plugging them away into those sort of old institution type places that may not be doing the best things with their cash. Yeah, that, that is well said. And, and you know, to, to use the word plug, you said rather than just plugging it away, um, to use the word plug in, in, in the other context, as in a free plug, I, I again, reiterate, I, I hope people don't think that was just a free plug for a mate. It wasn't. I hadn't heard about them until this week, but it's the sort of thing, the sort of app, if not them, someone else, that we should all be thinking of. So, you know, we brought you that interview in the spirit of, of us all looking to invest in more meaningful ways that, that are hopefully sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, Ant, let's move into the mulch section. These are the tiny stories, the little curiosities that we want to bring you every week. These ones aren't so much curiosities as they are just things that we care about this week. <laughs> so the first story is a follow-up on our coverage of the Climate Change Authority from last week. If you follow the Instagram, um, if you listen to last week's pod, you'll know that we've been talking an awful lot about the CCA. And basically, Leslie Hughes, the famous biologist who was recently appointed to the Climate Change Authority to help counteract all that fossil fuel and business interest, she has called for Australia to reach net zero at least a decade earlier than the current target. Um, Hughes has basically come out and said Australia's net zero target is not good enough. And she worked very, 
or at least maybe she does still work very closely with the Climate Council, and she's called for a 75% cut within a decade. Wow. Um, she said that luckily Labor is showing a willingness to listen to the science, but basically they've got to get moving faster. And I wonder now, having people like Leslie on the Climate Change Authority, if that is going to make a meaningful impact towards those targets. Uh, well, it's time, Elfie, for everyone out there to stamp their climate bingo cards, because I'm going to say... Floor not ceiling, yes. Oh, God, it's <laughs> happened again, hasn't it? I thought we were over the, this. The 40, no, it's going to happen forever. The 43% that we now have legislated uh, through the parliament uh, was always going to be a floor, not a ceiling. So uh, Leslie Hughes is uh, telling us to hit the ceiling a lot harder and a lot quicker. And look, I, I what I love about Leslie Hughes' appointment, um, as you mentioned, she's a biologist. She's an eminent one. Um, she's really a cherished member of the Australian scientific community. Um, but her spe specialty in this area is climate change impacts. And she actually studied ants for four years, Elfie. Um, I actually love ants and ant specialists. Really? Well, <laughs> That's so um, interesting. <laughs> I mean, imagine just having your nose in the ground all day long, getting bitten by ants, uh, having ants I know, that's over you. awesome. <laughs> but, but, but what I actually love, apart from the curiosity and just the weirdness of it, is the, the symbolism of, of it. Because, you know, she is studying the world from the ground up. When you start with ants, and then, you know, last year, I, I remember her being quoted, having a bit of a stoush with Susan Lee over the Great Barrier Reef. She's got all the way from the micro scale to the macro scale, environmentally speaking, and she has seen climate impacts from the tiny to the huge. And I just think that gives her a unique perspective on the world. So when Leslie Hughes says, give us 70%, not 43%, when she says, get to net zero a decade earlier, I'm inclined to listen. <laughs> Good. I'm really glad. Let's hope everybody else does. <laughs> All right. Next story. Oh my God. You brought me this clip. It's so good. So the World Bank president dodged this question about whether or not he accepts climate science during a live event recently. And do you want to tell me about it? Well, this is David Malpass. Um, Malpass. Anyway, he's the head of the World Bank. <laughs> Oh, by the way, he's a Trump appointee. Um, I didn't know that the um, Americans appoint the head of the World Bank and the Europeans appoint the head of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. I was wondering about that. That's so interesting. That's how big money guys are appointed. Uh, they usually are guys, by the way. Um, mm. And and um, so, so here's this Trump loyalist. Uh, and like many Trump loyalists, He's not necessarily inclined to uh, buy what all those clever atmospheric scientists that he's apparently cleverer than. So he's not necessarily inclined to, to buy what they say, um, which is not perhaps what you want from the guy who is the head of the World Bank. Elfie, why don't we just listen to this clip right now and uh, tell me what you think about it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Do, let me just be as clear as I can. Do you accept the scientific consensus that the man-made burning of fossil fuels is rapidly and dangerously warming the planet? I, I, I don't know if everyone wants to comment on that. At what we are doing is having impactful I, projects that reduce will, greenhouse will you answer the gas question? emissions. We have a mission of a World Bank that's powerful. Will you answer the question? Is that... A, I, I don't even know. I'm not a scientist, and that is not a question. So Al, Al Gore can put. I don't know why it stays on the stage. What 
Okay, so yeah, that was a pretty wild thing to say on stage. It's so awkward, my God. Um, to be fair, he later did apologize and he clarified on CM- CNN that he wasn't a climate change denier, even though in that moment it sounded very heavily like he might be. Um, but you know what? Regardless of the apology, it seems like there are some renewed calls for him to step down. And frankly, if other World Bank members agree with those calls, he could end up getting removed. So basically, these environmental organizations like philanthropic organizations as well have said that even though he's apologized, his track record sort of shows that he's not taking climate change seriously. He's not mobilizing investment into developing countries that need that cash to build renewable infrastructure and deal with the effects of climate change. It's all a bit of a mess, and we just wanted to bring you some deeply embarrassing footage. He might have been shamed, Elfie. He might have, might have been climate shamed. We've all heard of uh, body shaming, and there's lots of types of shaming these days. I think he just got climate science shamed. I think he deserves it, to be fair. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all we have time for this week. Thank you so much again for joining us for The Green Canary. As always, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We'd like to pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge that this land was stolen, never ceded. Thank you, Elfie. And I'd just like to do that thing that I do every week, which is to say, have you followed us on Twitter? Yes, we're <laughs> at Green Canary Pod there. And oh, did you go over to Instagram and follow us at Green Canary Media? And not just follow us. We're not begging you to just go click follow. We're begging you to be part of the gang that talks to us there. That's that's what we want to happen. We want a conversation there. And so please do those things. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to the pod uh, the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast. Please do. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. And rate the podcast. That, that'd be even greater. Uh, we'd love you to chuck a few stars in there. The more, the merrier. But we will leave that up to you. What I was going to say is, can you please subscribe to the Green Canary newsletter? Now, we cover all sorts of stories there that we barely mention or don't mention at all here in the pod. There are some that we go into at greater length as well. So there's sort of companions to each other. But you're only half a canaria if you're only podding or if you're only newslettering. Now so- you're podcast shaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no limit to my shame, Elfie, um, and all my shaming. Uh, but that is hello at thegreencanary.co. Just got an email about five minutes before the pod, which was great. Replied to them. I reply to everyone or someone does. And we say thank you and we chuck you on the list and we send you the newsletter. It's all very exciting. And we'll have a newsletter out Wednesday and another pod Monday. We'll see you then. All right.